everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, I am really excited about today's episode. Today is an episode about women. I am chatting with Jen Hatmaker about her new book, which is called Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire. It is an incredible book that is really written to women to learn how to break free of some of the socialization that we have learned from our parents and society that tell us that we need to be winsome and people pleasers and shapeshifters. Um, so I'm stoked to be chatting with her. And then BJ has a really beautiful meditation for us um, that is specific to these same issues with women. And Claire and I are going to chat about a listener question about crow's feet. But first, going to check in with Rue. And how's your self-care going? Gosh, you know, I feel <laughs> it's so hard answering this question every week during this time because I feel like my answer is just kind of the same every week. I am right. continuing to struggle with anxiety and sleep. I mean, I am just incredibly sleep deprived and, you know, we'll just lay in bed and n- just not be able to sleep. And it's not even like I can really identify a clear, you know, thought that I need to hold captive or work through. It's just sort of this existential stress. Um, so there's that. And then, um, you know, the, it just feels like everything is in a lot of chaos. I am in the middle of recording my audiobook. Um, mm-hmm. My book comes out in June. So, you know, we're kind of on the minutes to get that audiobook done, but we had to pivot because normally that would be done in a sound studio and instead I'm doing right. it in my bedroom. So on Friday, I ignored my children the entire day. They required complete and total silence from them in the house as they're doing their Zooms and classes and recorded for a full day only to find out that it was unusable because there was some issue with my mic. No. Yeah. So it's just like, ugh, like it just... It feels kind of bad news bears right now where just, you know, everything's going wrong. And, you know, I know that my bad news bears is not as bad as some. I mean, I, you know, always want to hold space for the people who are literally like losing loved ones and, you know, sick and ill. Um, But I think we are all sort of just it feels like a collective sort of hardship period right now. Right. I mean, how yeah, about you? No, absolutely. Um, I feel the same way. I've got, you know, admittedly some quarantine fatigue. Yeah. I I am I'm just I'm um 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 yeah. And so I think what helps is uh, for me, I've just been doing a lot of non-screen activities for yes. self-care. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've got like you probably have this too, just like a box full of rando stationery somewhere. And I was yes. like, you know what, let me just go through this. And, um, you know, and I've also been doing origami. Uh, I've or, seen that on your social media. That looks super fun. 
It it is fun. Uh, the story goes that if you make a thousand paper cranes, the gods grant you a wish. I think. Um, I and I only have like nine hundred and ninety to go. So I love it. Um, yeah. So or, or even just like you know doing friendship bracelets with the girls or just something yeah. that's not being in front of a screen or listening to the news or you know, um, and that's been helpful. But yeah, I definitely just. It's like asking the question, how are you? Like, nobody wants to ask it right now, and nobody wants to answer it right now. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, do you have two thumbs up for the week? I do. I do. Well, one of mine is, and I think I've talked about this before, I I have my office in my bedroom, like in an alcove of my bedroom, and I generally do not keep food in my bedroom, but... Um, I have bought myself packs of Chalk Zero Keto Bark. Have you ever had that before? I haven't. And you've talked about it. I've had um, like sugarless, like, I don't know, I guess keto-friendly chocolate before, but yeah. not the kind that you're talking about. So here's what I like about them. They're individually wrapped. So and they're like little serving sizes. And they they have like salted almond or um, peanut or peppermint. But they're just they're small. And they just feel like a nice little treat. Um, and so I, I just have them in my desk. And I'll just mm. I probably eat one or two a day. But it just kind of feels like, you know, when I'm hitting that slump, like, ooh, I just have a little chocolate, but it doesn't feel super, you know, guilty or terrible for you. Um, and then I have also been, I mean, here's a little TMI. Um, but when my anxiety is up and when my insomnia is up, my um, stomach is just a wreck. Like it's just mm. in knots. It's, you know, it's just that nervous stomach feeling. Yeah. Um, so I have been using this CBD ointment basically it's not really an ointment it's more of a like a thick cream Um, it's from life elements it's an ache and pain relief but i've just been using it on my stomach and it just oh so not like an enema oh no (laughs) that would be funny there is such a thing in fact claire talked about it on an episode before there is like a a cbd there is a cbd suppository Yes. Oh, wonders never cease. They don't. I am not doing that. No, it's just a lotion, and I, you know, I just rub it on my stomach, like after my bath, when I'm, you know, when my when my nerves are up, and I can feel like, oh, it's going to be a rough, nervous stomach day, and it just, yeah. I don't know, it, it it seems to help. It feels like it helps. Oh, good. What are yours? Um, I've been, uh, the weather has been, you know, some days are lovely and some days it's terrible. Um, and so I've been focusing on <laughs> repotting plants, which oh. I, I am, I just sound, I sound retired. I can hear myself. <laughs> I'm like, well, I've been doing a lot of crossword puzzles, Kristen, and I've been repotting the plants. Um, but I found that Amazon, especially if you can't shop right now or if you don't want to go to Home Depot, but you need like a a plant fix, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Amazon sells like these clean our house plants in in cute little like bundles. And um, I have a a bunch of rooms that get a lot of – don't get a lot of light. So they're like low light friendly plants. And there is just something really nice about having something green and alive in every room. So I, uh, that has been really nice for me. And just, I don't know, it's just like this thoughtful moment of here I am, like, 
watering a plant and wiping down the leaves. And it probably has better hygiene than I do or my kids do currently. Um, so I've, <laughs> I've, I've really been enjoying just having houseplants. I just feel like they've been a big part of my self-care. I don't know why. We can get into that at some point. But I like having <laughs> green living things. Yeah. Um, and the other is I've been using my diffusers a lot more. And I know that there are people that you know, we'll say that there are benefits of essential oils. I like them because they smell nice. Oh, yeah. Same. Um, I, I don't know if there are other properties as well. And perhaps they are. I have not. I do not know enough about the topic to weigh in one way or another. But um, El- Elia does uh, a couple essential oils that I like. But the one that I like lately is the wind down essential oil. And so like you, uh, you know, my sleep has been strange. So I will actually diffuse a little like at nighttime and just give myself some cues that it's time to wind down. So those are my two thumbs up, two, two thumbs ups for the week. Love it. Well, hello, Jen. Happy to see you. Golly, I wish we were in the same room. I know. I really wish we were in the same room. We have, I know. um, We had big plans to hang this year that got thwarted. (laughs) Every time I think about it, I could just rage. Like I could rage for days. I know. Um, but I mean, at least we get to see each it's other's face. Very upsetting. <sighs> Terrible. I know. Yeah. So this is fun. I'm I'm excited to chat with you. Okay. First first question first. How is your self care going this week, this month? How how are you how are you hanging in there? Yeah. Yep. Well, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> that's. I think we call that a pregnant pause. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have definitely noticed that all the tools that I typically reach for that are my primary self-care kit Mm -hmm. are not accessible to me. So I don't know if that's, I don't know what that says about me. I can't analyze Mm -hmm. the data, but I'm noticing that I, apparently I need more external sources that that really serve me yes. in self-care rather than like some of my friends that I'm seeing right now or just other people online who have some sort of capacity to reach very deeply and singularly inside their own heart and mind and motivation and good practices. Yeah. Um, and so they don't need anybody else in the world. They have it. It's all inside. And I'm like, oh, not same. Yes. Like not same for me. Mm-hmm. This quarantine has made me yeah, sad. I am finding that to be true too. Are you? Yeah. And it's it's interesting too, because I know we're both introverts. And so I think there's this sort of, you know, I, I've seen like memes about like, this is an introvert's dream. Like we've been practicing for this our whole lives. But like, I am really realizing, I mean, yes, I need alone time to refuel, but I really need Ugh, connection same. to feel, you know, to feel good. I mean, like. I think that the lack of being able to just get together with friends is really wearing on me. Um, absolute same. And of course, it's a low hanging fruit thing to say that, oh, finally, the introverts are getting to live their dream. But that is not true because you and I both know the dream is when we're in our house by ourselves. That's the dream. That's what the introvert Keyword needs. alone. Alone. So no, it is not a dream to be quarantined together with a lot of people who in my family, same as yours. I know exactly. We have some very similar households, got some raging extroverts in this up in here. Yes, we do. And so Uh we're all just like, oh my God, like 
you are making me crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, I want to have better, I wish I was coming in here, like in the authority of somebody who's doing this really, really, really well, but it is actually wearing pretty thin. It's, it's too many people here too. But you know what? I also think there is something to just speaking to how difficult this is. You know, like I, I don't know that there is an expert on this. Like it's just challenging for everybody in their own way. You know, it, it this, this situation is, it's hard for it everybody. Is. It's hard for the extra extroverts. It's hard for the introverts. I feel for the people who are quarantined oh, alone. I feel for the people like us who are quarantined with a lot of children. Mm. You know, it's just, it's all hard. I know. I cannot agree more. And you know, I have quoted you so many times, Kristen, in the last four weeks about your um, your incredible phrase about the hardship Olympics. And it's just true. That doesn't serve anybody. And I find myself drifting into it. And I know better. I know better than to like go on my phone and try to determine how well I am doing based on what everybody else is doing. I know better than that. Um, and yet here we are. I know. And so I've had a couple of people that are been watching online and I'm like, well, compared to her, I'm a hundred percent getting a D minus. And so that doesn't feel like good practices. <laughs> and so I think we're going to have to really work hard to reject that. I reject that right now, that sense yeah. of constant comparison, like who's yeah. doing better in quarantine. You and I both love to compete. And so you know, I don't want to win this win. I know. We're Enneagram yes. threes. We want to we want to win at all the things. So boring. But you know, here's the thing, and, and I have to remind myself of this constantly, and we know this to be true. The internet is the highlight it reel, is. you know, and I think some people a coping mechanism right now is is like highlight reel, you know. Hmm. And um I think <laughs> There's no winning here. You're right. There's no winning here. Um, and so yeah. I, one little practice that is helping me, like it's, this is not a, it's not a, yeah. it's not a cure-all, but it is helping me in terms of self-care is just to grab my favorite pen, which I've said many, many times, the big blue and blue crystal. Jen! Is this I hate oh, those pens. This is my favorite thing. Ew! This is my favorite thing I own. Oh, see, Bic. I'm a well. I can't find right one right now. We're the opposite because I don't like the rolly. What? A, that's a roller ball, right? Sure is. I like the felt tip. There. Yeah. Mm -mm. I like the skinny felt tip. I have four hundred thousand of these. These are in every nook and that's cranny so of my entire house, life, and office purse. Every bag. Well, and they're cheap. They cost a. They cost one penny. Okay. But my point was yeah, to take my pen and just scratch out. I, this is this, so many people talk about this and I feel like it's been diluted, but so many people are talking about it because it's a powerful practice. Scratch out. These are however many I can come up with five or seven. I don't know. Things that are going well, that are going right. That I'm thankful for yeah. that. I'm grateful for. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know oh, it's totally. boring to hear another person say that, but forcing your hand to write down some grateful thoughts, your mind follows. And yes. so what I notice as always, I is agree. Once, once I start writing that stuff down, my, my eyes start noticing it more. It like it's self feeding, you know, then oh, all of a sudden sure. I'm looking for what can I write yeah, on tomorrow's list? For sure. So that is helping a little. Yes. What are you doing? Yeah. 
Totally. And I think there is something to also physically writing something down. I think we're all, you know, we're all having to spend so much time on our screens now. We're working. Yep. This is how we're engaging with friends. This is how we're watching our content. And I think any practice that gets you in that sort of physical, like you're writing, you're not, you know, on a physical, tangible piece of paper, yeah. I think that that is huge. I agree. Like this That's a big old one. fashioned yeah. practice that kind of connects us back yeah. to, um, sort of Listen, how we came up. There's, there's a reason we've been doing this. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I want to talk about okay. your book. So, um, I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want you to share. So first of all, this book, you know, it's, it's a departure for you a yep. little bit. I, you know, you have written, you have written so many books that I love and you have always been smart. You have always been funny. You've always been wise, but I feel like this particular book, while you are all those things is like, it is a manifesto. It is a battle cry to women. What was happening that made you go, I want to give this message to people. Mm, thank you for saying that. And what's also funny to everybody like listening or watching is that Kristen already knows all of this. Like we've lived this together for oh. years, like every <laughs> nook and cranny of it. So I appreciate your faint. Like, tell me more. I'm like, you know, everything. Um, like know. we really, how did this happen? <laughs> we walked each other um, through years leading up to this, but um, yes, you know, another, our friend, Sarah, um, Bessie put it like this. And I felt like it locked into me why this one meant so much to me. She was like, this fierce is the book that you, um, you earned. And I was like, Ooh, I think that's why it's so dear to me, why it's so precious, why it feels so important, why I chose to write it because it was like a, it was the living of it. And then it was the learning of it yes, and the earning of it. Some really big, important lessons, costly ones and huge sea change and just big shifts and, um, in, in my life that I am so incredibly grateful for that have served me impossibly beautifully that, um, have given me a life that I really wanted to have five years ago. And I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know how to get to there. I didn't know how to get to a place where I felt like everything was true, that I was the same gin in every room. Um, I've been the, I've been yes. my real gin with you for years and we've had a little private room and it was a little bit away from the public eye because, um, the public eye that was at least on me. So I think you've had a lot of integrity in your life, but at that time, the, my public room, um, was just built in a completely different space where the things that you and I and our friends and our kind of colleagues worked out over here in the private room would not they would have been punished, those ideas, those questions, mm -hmm. those conversations over here. And so um, I wanted that private room to be the one room that I lived in all the time and everywhere. And I didn't know yeah. how to get to it. Well, I did. I did know how to get to it, but I didn't want to pay the cost. Which I hate that. I yeah. wish I had a better yeah. answer. Well, and, and you did pay yeah. a cost. And, and, you know, and you did. You, you kind of walked through fire. Um, you know, in just in terms of your public space. Um, and I feel 
you know, one of the things that I kind of cherish about this book is that it is not written from a place of, hey, I have this all figured out. And, you know, it, it, it was a book that was really birthed out of pain and hardship and lessons that mm-hmm. were birthed out of pain and hardship, which I think are the best. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not happy that you went through it, but, right. um, you know, I think that you just, you can speak with, with so much authority because you're not talking about hypothetical. You're talking yeah. about things that you walked through. Well, um, I agree. One of the- and I was just going to pop in real quick and say that I think what that message does for the community, because it's not just a book about um, hard things that I went through and then recovered from. Um, and, and there's a place for that. Yeah. There's a place yeah, yeah. for a story of like suffering and recovery. This is more than that. This was yeah. more a process yeah. of finding the courage to be like authentic and integrated and genuine at all times and with all people. And so it was more like, am I willing to pay the cost um, to be free? And it turns out I was, Mm -hmm. it took me a while because I was afraid. I was just afraid I had built elsewhere. I had built in a different zip code. Yes. And I knew that what was true about me and the ways that I wanted to be free, the way the the ideas I wanted to own, the convictions I wanted to own, the opinions and wants I wanted to own were just those were not sanctioned things where I was. And so I knew that. Of course yes. I know I'm not blind. I know how I know how yeah. this goes. Um but I wasn't sure I wasn't sure if there was another world for me. I didn't know if I could recover. I didn't know if I could rebuild. I didn't know where I would land. I didn't know where I would go. I didn't know who would have me. Um, but eventually those things became secondary. And what rose up for me more than anything else was that I just can't be a fraud anymore. That's the thing. Like just being able to look at myself in the mirror, having done the right and the true thing was going to be its own reward. And it was. And it really was. Yes. And then everything after that's just icing on top. I want to talk about that, you know, that phenomenon that you mentioned of feeling like you were different people in different spaces or different people to different, you know, um, different, a different person to different people, because I feel like that is an experience that is familiar to so many women. What is going on in our society, in our, in our nurturing that is making women specifically feel like they need to sort of people please and shape shift and be agreeable or winsome in in ways that do steal from our integrity and from our true self. Where do we start? Because I feel like that is, I mean, if you, if you guys have not read the book yet, that's really to me, the core message and the, the thing that just like punched me in the gut in such a good way um, because it's it's so true for so many women that that we are just tap dancing. I bet there's like not a single woman listening who cannot relate to that. We all know the score. You uh, know, no. we have been yeah. handed a narrative which you and I had figured out before we got a fir- got out of first grade because we are um, natural people pleasers. So we we're even right. geared for that. Like we could have been the poster children oh. for this sort of disintegration totally happen oh dancing monkey look at I'm me i'm adorable i'm charming i'm unimpeachable <laughs> um you know girls were we're told as girls like this is how you're supposed to be 
Um, this is how you're supposed to act. This mm -hmm. is 100% what you're supposed to look like, right? Um, these are these oh, are the kind yeah. of these type of girls get rewarded with belonging, um, and these types of girls aren't fitting the template correctly, and so they're going to get punished yes. with belonging, right? They don't get it. Yes, and so this is not mm -hmm. a mystery. Like this is this is told to yeah. us subtly and also overtly. And, um, and so what happens is we're girls who just grow up into women who absolutely are pitch perfect at reading a room and giving it what yeah. it wants. We know how to do it. We've been doing it a long yes. time and it's our job yeah. to like stabilize the room for everybody else. And so undoing that is work. I mean, it really is work. And I honor the process for women who are willing to say, damn, I have the right to my own ideas and my own opinions and my own yes. convictions. And I have yes. agency over my life. And here's the thing, Kristen, you and I know this because of the community that we are a part of. And then we see it in, um, in other women, which is <sighs> this frustrating idea that we were also handed. It's the dual narrative which is that women who do that, yeah. women who have ownership of their lives, women who um, tell the truth, women who are just one, the same person in every single room, and she's not constantly trying to regulate the temperature for everybody else, that they are incredibly dangerous to things we hold dear. They're dangerous to family. Yes. They're dangerous to marriage. and They're mm -hmm. dangerous to the church and faith communities. They're dangerous to the very fabric of society, right? Like this has been a story mm -hmm. that's been told for a long time, but it's a dumb story and it's a lie. And it was always just created to keep us in our place. Um, but we, but we bought oh, into sure. it. Like we bought into it. I, we bought into it and we policed each other even. Ugh. Women have policed, we, we've bought into it and exacerbated terrible. it with each other. But here's the truth. What we actually see both in our own lives and the lives of our communities of women is that women who are integrated, women who are honest yes. and telling the truth and courage, these are the best women we know. They are not the they cause are. of the decline of every good thing. It's the opposite. They are the, such good mothers. Yeah. They're such good sisters and friends oh, and yeah. leaders. They're incredible servants to their community. Um, these are like torchbearers and they aren't yes. ruining everything. They're making everything beautiful. And so the story is a lie. Yes. And so, um, but it's going to take a little bit of courage to replace the narrative. And that I think is where fierce yeah. comes in to say, I will not yeah. diminish the cost because that's real. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about how to pay it. We'll talk about why we should pay it. We'll talk about best practices to really um, hold our integrity well. And then what it looks like to live in freedom is so rewarding. Oh my gosh. It yeah. is so like it evaporates our fear. Like all the things we're always scared of. We're constantly scared that mm -hmm. the facade is going to crumble because it is. It's not, that's not healthy and it's not sturdy. Um, and so to no longer have to be constantly afraid of every misstep, which is going to cost us our belonging. If we step out of the lines. Yeah. Worth it. Right. Like worth it, worth it, worth it, worth it's it. It's so worth it. 
it's so worth it. But you know, it doesn't it doesn't come without a cost. And I love that you're really honest about that in the book too. I mean, you talk about, you know, when we begin to speak directly or when we begin to share what we need and 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 be open and honest about that. When we move into this integration, there are people that will go, "Whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. I don't I don't I don't like this. And, you know, it's, it's kind of something that you have to walk through to get to the other side, but there is so much freedom on the other side of just going, I am no longer editing everything I do, wear, say, based on what I think will be pleasing to other people. There's so much freedom in that. It's true. And I was saying last week that anytime we decide to, um, behave and conduct ourselves in the world in such a way as our, our chief aim is simply to keep the peace. Um, yes. First of all, it costs us our peace. And so anytime that's the way we're <laughs> behaving in a way that is fractured, yeah. in a way that is false, yes. is in a way that's half true, um, in a way that's um, coerced, um, somebody is paying the cost for that. Somebody's going to pay the price for our silence, for our complicity. Um, and generally it's us. We generally, I was just yeah, about to say, it's yeah, us. we generally pay the cost for our own disintegration, but in some cases yeah. we're costing a community, our support and yeah. allyship because we're too afraid to stand with them and stand for them. So it has mm-hmm. collateral damage. Mm-hmm. So when we yeah. decide that that's no longer going to be our story, a hundred percent. It's going to create a little turbulence along these worlds that we have helped both create and tend. Nobody wants us to change things up for them. They're counting on us to continue to submit to the same status quo that's keeping them happy, that's keeping them in power, that is keeping them Mm -hmm. like stable, Mm -hmm. that is keeping them irresponsible, um, that is perhaps keeping them abusive, Helpless. helpless, Yeah, all of it. And so you just got to pretty much count on that turbulence. And so the, what I hope I've done with fierce is say, this is going to happen. You can survive Mm -hmm. it. You, they won't kill you. You You won't die. Uh You can do this. You're strong enough for it. Here are some helpful scripts that I use. Here are some conversations that might serve you inside of these challenging places. Um, Here are some resources that scaffolded me when I was trying to find the bravery for living like that. Um, And so hopefully Mm -hmm. it's full of resources and useful um, tools for women to go. I don't quite know how to do this. Um, But at the end of the day, I want to say two things because that's all in there. That's the work part. But so again, repeat number one, you can do it. Yes, you can. And you, you have permission to, you have permission to live your own freaking life. You can do it. You're strong enough. Number two, it's worth it. It is worth it. Like yeah. the end game is so, even with the losses that you will experience, even with what has to change, even with the tension that you will then inject into your relationships or to your, your career or whatever, wherever it is that you're not telling the truth, um, still worth it. Beautiful way to live the right yeah. way to live. It is. And you have written in such a way, it in such a way. I love how you have given new scripts. You're not, you know, you're not railing against a, a thing and then, you know, the the answer is that we're all angry. Right. You you are helping us replace faulty scripts, which you know, my background's in psych. I love this yeah. crap. I mean, it you know, it, it is so rooted in good psychology, yeah. you know, and you've written it in such a way 
that, you know, from, from my old clinical background, I'm going like, dang, she is like <laughs> teaching us cognitive psych yeah. and narrative reframing and all of these wonderful yeah. tools of healthy mental health. And yet you've written it like a girlfriend, yeah. like, you know, you've written it in such a way that it doesn't feel like I'm reading a psych book or a self-help book. And I know you would, you know, you, you don't even think of it as a self-help yeah. book. Um, but you've written it in such a way that it's so, it's so relatable. Mm. It's so tangible. It's so doable. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, in the last chapter where you write out your own new scripts yeah. and say, everybody gets to write their own. I just, I love it so much. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, I had a research assistant on this book for the first time in any, I've never had one. Yeah. And she had her PhD. Yeah. She has got her PhD in psychology. She's incredibly credentialed. And so she was my key helper on wrangling all this yeah. content and all these resources and all this research and data. But it was so funny because, um, so we wrangled it and I'm like, she condense it. Like, this is what this means. And then I would write it, but my editor would be like sending back notes. She'd be like, just not, not very warm. I'm like, well, I don't, this is cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy. Like how do I warm this totally. up? So we had to work really hard to find the right tone. You warmed it up. <laughs> I think we finally got there. You did. Yeah. I think we finally got you there. Did. It took a few rounds. Uh, <laughs> you got there. You got there. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. Thank I really, you. I cannot say enough about this book. There were so many moments where I felt literally like, I feel like Jen's talking to me. Like she could just text me and tell me. <laughs> Kristen, we I mean, did it was this so together. just like, like, I know. You, I know. We did this together. Like, you know, every single thing that I put in that book, we have talked about. We have yeah. processed together. We have reimagined together and lived out together. And so I just feel like I should put your name on the front cover and be like, <laughs> with Kristen Howerton. <laughs> well, wow. like, I mean, Kristen. we, you know, it's, but we walked through some fire for it, didn't we? I mean, we sure did. Yeah. But I just, I, I can't say enough about the book. I think, I, I just don't think that there is a woman alive who will not find it to be um, just so incredibly helpful in their journey. Mm, thank you. Um, anyway, okay. Our last, our closing question, Jen. Um, what little things are saving your life right now? Shows, uh -huh. books. Yeah. What uh, What are two things that are just keeping you sane? Okay. And they can be as fluffy as you yeah. want. Yep. Yep. I like it. Um, probably the first and the biggest is that my very best friends, as you said, here that live here in real life are this very small group of people. And we kept really tight tabs on how's everybody doing in quarantine. And about a week ago, we're like, can we socially distance and just see each other's bodies? And so yeah. we spread out all out in the yard and like just putting my eyeballs on the physical flesh and blood of yes. my closest friend. I mean, I could have cried for days Oh yeah, and it just served me so much. Like I, cause we're talking same as we're doing, you know, Chris and I are, we're zooming with our friends. We're doing all that. And that's a, it's right. good. We're piecemealing it together. I think yay America. It's not the same though. It's not the same. And so physical bodies of people that I love sitting 10 feet apart in my yard. Yes. I mean, I was just like, well, this is it. It's all I've ever wanted. Yeah. Um, then I don't know how I let this slip and I felt like I'd done a really good job of parenting, but my oldest son, Gavin, you know, he's a senior in college. He's a senior at Texas Tech and he's quarantined with us. He thought he was going to be here for five days over spring break. 
and here we still are. So he has essentially two outfits. I've, that's all I've seen him in. Um, totally. But so I casually mentioned this maybe three weeks ago, something about Parks and Rec. And because Sydney and I were talking about a Parks and Rec episode, he's like, oh, I never saw it. And we were all like, what? And so where have I gone wrong? I thought I trained you up in the way a child <laughs> should go. So Gavin and I have started back over and we are like picking up Parks and Rec and it's just the funniest freaking show. And so watching it's it with best. him is just the best. So we are, that's oh, our that's little thing so we're funny. having and it's cute. It is fun to kind of rewatch those old ones with your kids right now. Mike, I think you know that um, my daughter India went for Halloween as Leslie knows. <laughs> So on brand for her. I just love so it on brand. so much. Because she is her. Oh, yes. so cute. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Um, people can find you online, jenhatmaker.com. Yep. And that's all of your social profiles, yep. isn't it? Just Jen Hatmaker. Just, um, the yep. book is everywhere books are sold. That's right. That's right. Thanks for having me on. All right. Love Miss you, you, friend. Love you, too. Hi, everyone. This week, I was looking through a book that was given to me by a very dear friend of mine who is a Cherokee elder. Her name is Linda Oberst, and she's had a very significant influence over my life. And one time she read a meditation for me and a group of other women from a book called Circle of Stones, Woman's Journey to Herself by Judith Dirk. And I was looking through it this week, and there's a chapter that describes a gathering of women who are gathering to write about their lives. And there was just something about this group of women that basically encompassed every woman I have seen show up in our selfie community group. Also, what they write really speaks to the environment that we're all living in right now. And so I'm going to read you a story today. Rue, this is your bedtime story. How might your life have been different if as a young woman there had been a place for you, a place where you could go to be with women, a place where you could be received as you strove to order your moments and your days, a place where you could learn a quiet centeredness to help you ground yourself in daily patterns that would nurture you through their gentle rhythms? A place where, in the stillness at the ending of a task, you could feel an ancient present flowing out to sustain you. And you learned how to receive and to sustain it in return. How might your life be different? This chapter is called Gathering Her Wholeness. Late afternoon, late autumn, five women gather to write of their lives, each seeking to touch a ground within herself a solidity, a place to rest. Each, like many in today's world, seeking a substance within where she may be at home. For them, as for many women, the struggle to recognize that inner substance is made more difficult by the criticizing voices in the culture and in their own animus, not yet fully differentiated. These voices may negate for each woman the very thing that is the stuff of her own substance, her woundedness, her softness, her quiet strength, even her beauty or grace, again and again, a woman must deal with the inner criticism of her animus. In its raw form, it presses its collective masculine value system upon her, acknowledging only its own heady logos qualities as worthwhile. 
and seeking to poison her against her own needs to embrace the qualities of the eternal feminine within herself and to bring them forth in her life. Especially in those women who have earlier developed the Logos functions in their professional endeavors, who may have lived out a part of their lives in energetic and dominant animus effectiveness, the wish will make itself strongly felt to embrace, to return, to come home, full circle, to a feminine ground. And if ever the fear or nagging guilt comes that she has meaninglessly isolated herself or become quiescent, she need only remember from the study of alchemy that even while the individual works diligently and waits prayerfully for inner transformation and wholeness, her work is reflected in a transformation in the greater realm. The wholeness manifesting in the life of one individual becomes a microcosm of wholeness, affecting an alchemical change in the macrocosm of the outer realm. Wholeness begetting wholeness. Woman with a candle lighted to help her keep faith with her own life, a centered presence spreading in concentric circles around her. Late afternoon, the slanting rays of late autumn sun touch the five women. The first writes, The days are getting shorter, the nights longer. The cold is coming, it's time to listen to the darkness now to acknowledge it, to take in its wisdom. I've been more in touch with my own anxiety and sadness. I've allowed myself not to hide it under a pile of achieving busyness. I'm allowing myself to cry when I feel sad. And then I feel better. More balanced. Oh, that's part of me too. When my daughter wept last week with all her sorrows, I was able to be there for her, not frantic, not needing to find an answer, but simply there, able to stroke her lovingly and be a witness to her pain. The pain we all bear in one way or another but that, thank God, is only a part of the human condition. The second, a tall, beautiful woman, an economist, 55 years old, was about to re-enter professional life, afraid of losing what she had found in the years since she had last been employed. She wrote, How good to come to be with women and feel I can be myself. I am myself. As soon as I sat down, I felt sadness. I let myself feel it. Sad and somewhere behind it, tearfulness. All that's been missing in my relationship to myself and others. I've been too up, outgoing, joking, optimistic, holding up a false persona. Sadness is part of emotional wholeness for me. I'm more human when I feel it. It softens me. I've needed it. The third woman, newly embracing her life after a threatening illness, wrote, There's a sense that's growing in me on my daily walks that are my movement meditation. I'm beginning to fill up the hole inside, to people my inner space. I'm looking at broken places in my life and seeing how real they are. They are. My pain is. I exist. They are there and real, and I am not hollow but whole. The fourth woman, nearing her 60th birthday, a woman who had risen high in her profession, wrote, I am so aware at my age of light and dark. Earlier in my life, I was all light, swift, clever, bright. I dressed in primary colors and bored anything that I considered slow, dull, muted. It was only when I lived through the summer solstice light, far above the Arctic Circle, the light of the longest day in our year, 
the totality of white, white, ever-pervasive light, day after day, that I experienced our desperate need for darkness, for shadow, for relief from the clarity, the sharpness, and rationality that this present world demands, a need for soft lines, blendedness, grays, to respect one's need to be sometimes out of focus, unformed, blurred. Now the winter returns, the darkness, the year come full circle again, a chance again to sink into one's own stillness, a time to feel one's fatigue, the aches of life, one's own age, to reconnect once again with a deep, dark earth energy hidden far below in our roots. The winter is for us to nurture ourselves in that same way, a long time of preparatory darkness and incoteness, a very long time to nurture and to begin to begin to bring forth a time when it is in the natural order of things to be still, to rest in the quiet blackness, a time to trust that one will be refreshed and brought again to new creativity, just as is all the rest of nature, to trust once again in the cycles of light and darkness, in nature herself and within one's own nature. The fifth woman, gifted with abundant dramatic and musical ability, (coughs) Kristen, never certain of whether she possessed it or it her, wrote, For me, the balance between doing and just being is the most important and dangerous question. If I am guilted or lured into achieving too much, and I lose the stillness at my center, then it takes me a long time to regain it, and I do violence to myself or those I love because of fatigue and pressure. I have had to give up winning big because I love my life when I am connected to it, and I hate it when it and I get caught up in competition and deadlines. Then I have an overriding sense of impatience. My foot taps. I swallow food whole. I spill the coffee as I pour it. I burn myself on the stove. I rip and wrench and tear. There's a violence that takes over every act and shrieks orders at me. I'm finding that it takes a lot of time to be a woman, to have a feeling of space and breath, a chance to sink into myself. As long as I take time every morning to light a candle to my life, it remains my life. But if I hurry into work without that small moment of quiet, then I've already lost myself and the day. The task for me is to care daily for myself and my life, to love and to nurture within myself, moment by moment, the quality of quiet presence, quietly being present in my life, which sanctifies it, to live as if the candle is lighted. How might your life have been different if through the years there'd been a place where you could go, a place of women away from the ordinary busyness of life, a place of women who knew the cycles of life, the ebb and flow of nature, who knew of times of work and times of quiet, who understood your tiredness and your need for rest, a place of women who could help you to accept your fatigue and trust your limitations, and to know in the dark of winter that your energy would return as surely as the spring, women who could help you learn to light a candle and to wait. How might your life be different? All right, well, let's go to Claire. Hey, Claire. Hi, guys. How's everyone? 
Okay, we have a listener question for you, and this one is around eye wrinkles. She says, I just turned 30, and I'm noticing more and more wrinkles around my eyes. I feel like most eye creams I see are advertised for addressing dark circles, Mm -hmm. but what do you recommend for crow's feet? Mine are so noticeable when I smile. (sighs) Okay, I have... I have kind of like three or four answers for this. And I, my first question would be if this person has ever had Botox before, because as much as I love clean beauty and really do try to promote it for myself and others, there is nothing better on the planet for crow's feet than Botox. I mean, hands down. But if that's not an option for you, or mm-hmm. if you just, you don't want to go in that direction, I do have a couple other suggestions. Number one, it's not a cream. It would be switching to a silk or satin pillowcase. And this has been a huge game changer for me. I used to wake up with lines on my face almost every single day because I'm a oh, face sleeper. Yeah. I don't intend to be a face sleeper, but I always end up on my face. So that I would, any woman, I mean, honestly, you can get this for your girls starting, you know, you know 13, 14 years old. My girls both have sleeping. satin pillowcases at 10 and 13. I would not expect anything less from the Howard team. My boys do too, actually, because <laughs> it's, these satin pillowcases are also fantastic for um, kids Their with like hair. really, really curly hair. Absolutely. And, you know, someone gave me, it might have actually been you, Kristen, gave me um, one as a gift last year. And now I have like 12. So that was me. I did give you one. That's really funny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that now. Yeah. So it's a great gift, by the way, too. People love it. Great teacher gift as well. And you can get them really inexpensive. I will link up in the show notes at selfiepodcast.com, the ones I have. They're just from Amazon. Um, They're not spendy. Whatever you gave me, I love. I absolutely love it. I can't remember which one I gave you. You'll have to link that one up. We'll, we'll link them both up um, and also in the Facebook group. But And you can get them in a variety of colors, which is mm-hmm. nice. So you can match them, you know, to your room. I just um, went all white with ours just because yeah, it's easier. Yeah. yeah. Mine are blush pink because I have a blush pink bedspread. Oh, your bedspread is so pretty. Anyway, well, sorry. I, I got a pink bedspread when I got divorced. I was like, you know what? I This room is mine now by myself and I'm making it pink. <laughs> You know what? I love that because everything in my bedroom is gray and I just, that'd be time for a change. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Back to the eye cream. I'm so sorry. Yes. So pillowcase, well, Botox is like the the first, you know, the first thing I would suggest. And you don't actually even, if, if crow's feet are your, really your only issue, like versus like, you know, the 11s or like those really deep set lines in our forehead, you do not need very much Botox in the crow's feet area. I mean, you can get away with like 15, which is extremely affordable. Um, you know, Botox where we live is anywhere between nine and $13 a unit. So you do the math. It's, it's a pretty affordable option. Now, as far as creams go and, um, skincare, any kind of wrinkling, the first line of defense is definitely a retinol or a vitamin A derived serum. The hard thing though, with retinol is that we have to be really careful not to get it too close to our eyes, but because of the way that it moves, the type of molecule that retin-A or, um, retinols are. If you put it like at the top of your cheekbone, it will slowly kind of reach its way up to your crow's feet. Um, but again, not as effective and doesn't, it doesn't work as quickly as Botox, but definitely a retinol product. And I do have some, you know, I did a video in the group um, a few weeks ago and I'll link some of those retinol products again. Um, there is a little bit of a learning curve when you first start using retinol, but um, if anybody has questions, always feel free to ask and um, I'll walk you through it. Awesome. Thank you, Claire. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.